0: Will you guys give Bob a warm welcome? Thank Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Here. Here in Indiana. Yeah. It's good. It's good to be in Indiana. Back in Indiana. How many were here last time I was here? Quite a few of you. So I can't use that message. Hang on a second. Bummer. I thought I'd be able to do it again, and that by this time you'd quit your ministry. It'd be a whole new group here. Uh, let me try a different one then. If you've got your Bibles close by, open them with me, please, to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and First Peter chapter 5. Second Peter 1, John 3, and Nehemiah 13. You think I'm kidding, I'm not. That's what I do every week at our church. I give them a three-spot start in our first three. So you can kind of go there so that when I'm ready to go there, you don't have to turn a lot of pages. That's the idea. So Acts 20, 1 Corinthians 12. You have an extra thumb there. Put it there in First Peter chapter 5. I have not seen Gail Irwin yet. He is here. Where is Gail? He's not here. Wait a minute, he's not here at all this year? He's not. He's the one who invited me to come here. I got ditched. He ditched me. He He knew that when he invited me, that he was not going to be here. He didn't tell me that. Oh my goodness. He said he was going to make me brownies. You ate them? You ate my brownies? You're mean. (laughs) What's that now? You shared them because he had some too. So everyone had my brownies. That's great. Well, welcome Bob. Glad to be here. Can't wait to come back. Uh, Hey, Let's pray together. Ask God to bless our study. Father, we are so thankful you've given us this opportunity to get away from our regular routine and focus our undivided attention on you. And we trust God. In conference atmosphere,
1: you are so free to speak and say the kind of thing that we wouldn't expect you to hear
0: except for somebody else say it. So I pray, God, that I am that instrument, that tool in your hand, to lead and guide us
1: as your Spirit speaks. Lord, help us to hear what
0: you want to say to us, those given the tax, those given the charge, those given the opportunity to make a difference.
1: In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: It's called the church rhyme. You know it. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the... You know that. Listen again. People? Yeah, that's supposed to be the priority. The people. The people. The church rhyme doesn't go, see the church,
1: open the doors, and let's see the pastor.
0: Although there are times, I think one would assume that that is the focus. Should be the people I was at an early age taught from my senior pastor, the people, the people, the people, the people. Make them, and I'll quote, the best-fed, most-loved people. Isn't that the priority? Isn't that the goal? Shouldn't that be the focus? So how do we seemingly get off course? Well, sometimes I think The devil does his best to simply distract us, to divert us away from that pure priority, that faithful focus, that determined goal. And sometimes it's buildings, sometimes it's budgets, sometimes it's programs, sometimes it's property, sometimes it's meetings, sometimes it's meetings, sometimes it's meetings, sometimes it's meetings. And you will say, but yeah, Bob, those meetings, aren't they for the people? Are they really for the people? Is it possible that some of those things actually lead us away from the people as we're hoping to meet the needs of the people? I'll illustrate it to you this way. I have a 16-year-old son. I have a 14-year-old daughter. And they love the theater. They love to go to the movies. Well, when they say, hey, we'd love to go and see the latest, whatever it is that's being offered, I know that it appears that I am with them, but I'm not really with them. You see, they're connecting to a screen, and I simply sit alongside, and although we're together, we're not really together. You see, I'm doing something for them, but it actually removes me from them. Yeah, it's for them, but it removes me from them, so I'm not really spending time with
1: them. Your call as a pastor, as a leader, as a deacon, as an elder, it's to have this
0: passion for God's people, His people. His passion, well, you know it well, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, He gave His Son... And His Son gave His life. If that's not passion, what is passion? Well, I'll give you some synonyms for the word passion. Zeal and fire and obsession and fixation and appetite and mania. Is that how you feel about your flock? Is that how you feel about this church? Is that how you feel about this body? Is that how you feel about this bride? Listen to those words again. You have a zeal, a fire, an obsession, a fixation, an appetite, a mania. For the people
1: of God. Really? Come here.
0: Listen, some of us looked forward to this conference to get away from those people. Man, I can't take those those, those people anymore. So if we could get together, who is we? We as leaders. We who understand those people. And you turn this experience into an us-them or a we-those. In fact, senior pastors will get together with other senior pastors and discuss problems that only senior pastors have. And sometimes those senior pastor problems have everything to do with those associate pastors. You associate pastors will get together with other associate pastors and discuss your problems with some of those senior pastors. New elders and deacons. Well, you'll try to meet. But you'll know you're being watched by those associate pastors and those senior pastors. Yes, you determine to get away to discuss them.
1: Those people. Listen. Isn't it important for all? If Christ truly did lay down his life for us, and we are called to pattern his example,
0: to see them as he does. So I've given you four words and now an outline form. Let's take a fresh look at this one, his church, two, this his body, three, this his flock. And four, this is Bride. Yeah, the church, that's what it's called. It's Acts chapter 20. Draw your attention to verse 27. We read, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you, and please note the word, overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. For I know this, that after My departures, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves. Men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember, That for these three years, I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. Pause right there. Your attention, please. Focus more. Finally, in verse 28, the word is overseer. Overseer.
2: I'm an overseer.
0: You can circle the word close by. I'm simply in charge. I've been given a trust. I must be accountable to this responsibility because someday I will stand before God and He'll ask me to give an account for how well I did this overseeing of the church. Circle the word for church, it's that word ecclesia, ecclesia, the called out ones. Now stay with me on the thought. There are people that are going to come into your church, you oversee them as they are being equipped to be called out. Wait a minute, I thought they were being called in. You mean to tell me they might be called out? Yeah, they're called out of the world. Listen to this. They also may be called out of your fellowship to do the thing that God called them to do. Now, you're happy when they're called into your church. You want them. Yes, not just to oversee, but sadly in some cases, to own. They're mine. Those are my sheep. And what causes great consternation and great frustration in the most of us is when somebody approaches us after a service, say, "Hey, pray for me. I'm thinking I'm going to go out and..." You can't leave, not you. There are plenty of people here in this church that I don't mind leaving. <laughs> but not you. No, no, no. I don't want you to go. No, I was just now starting to build. Come on, man. Right now, without you. It's just my wife and kids. We have to build the church (laughs) together. You're my deacon. You're my elder. You're my Sunday school teacher and my worship leader. Listen, that's how it was in the early days for Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. And when Pastor Fidel Gomez, my associate, my compadre who traveled the United States with me, determined after five years it was time for him to go and start another Calvary. No! At the same time, a worship leader who is a transplant from California determines it's time for him to go back into business all the way to L.A. He came from L.A. What are you doing, Randy? No, no, no. You guys don't understand. I have this vision. I'm on a mission. And you're a part of it. Now, stay with me.
1: I was called out of a church. I was called out of Calvary Chapel, Las
0: Vegas, to Go to Fort Lauderdale and start a church. So it's okay if I'm called out, it's just not okay if someone else is called out. Every one of you, for the most part, was called out of somebody else's church to go do the church you're now doing. So you're bothered to be people who leave your church, but you're somebody who left someone else's church. Shame on you for shaming someone else. Oh, it's okay when you do it. Now stay with me because here's the point. If you could free yourself right now in heart,
1: in mind, in spirit, and truly, truly
0: let God be in charge of His church. It's the church of God. It's not the church of Bob. What happens? Well, something happened to the text. He said, you know, here's my joy. My joy was that I was able to present the full counsel of God. I didn't ever have to worry about the content of my Bible study because I was never teaching you things to somehow hold you or harness you to do my will. I simply didn't hesitate to deliver the whole counsel of God so you heard the whole counsel of God and with the whole counsel of God, God continued to grow you and mold you and shape you. Isn't that how it's supposed to be? But if in fact you're worried about somebody staying in the church or being with you, do you not sometimes adjust things in a certain way so that they'll stick around and they won't be offended? Now watch it as well. He says, I'm telling you the truth because I want you to hear the truth. I don't know where God's going to call you. But that truth is so transforming, it's bringing me out of the church it brought me into. Freedom, man! Freedom! Sometimes, sadly, we don't teach the flock Sadly, the church doesn't sense. No, go find the thing that God is calling you to do. And if it's here, plug in, bear fruit. But if it's someplace else, I want you to be where God wants you to be. Do you know what your responsibility is? If you're a note taker, jot it down. 2 Peter 1 and 10. Listen to the way this reads. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. Are you assisting the body of Christ, the church that you've been entrusted with? Are you helping them make their calling and election sure? If their calling means going someplace else...
1: Our church has been in Fort Lauderdale now long enough that a lot of people have come and a lot of people have gone. And we have
0: a whole huge population of people that used to go to Calvary. So it's not uncommon for me to be at the grocery store. Hi, how are you? Hey, Pastor Bob, how are you? I used to go to your church. Used to go. Thanks for the encouragement. What did I say? What did I do? Tell me, please. Maybe I can adjust it. Oh, no, no, no. It's that other church, you know. So-and-so has got a really great thing going on for the youth. And it's really cool. And here's what I'll say. Are you growing? Oh, you know I am. Well, praise
1: God, I'm... I'm...
0: (laughs) Do you know what happens if you're not careful? You don't want to talk to them the minute you find out they're not yours anymore. You don't go to our church, Well, so then leave me alone. I'm not going <sighs> to. Now, our people's tide dollars pay my salary. If you're not giving anything, I don't know you any time. <laughs> See, you think I'm joking around? You're that territorial, aren't you? You check with people to find out where they're going, and if they're not going to your church, who cares? You can go to any church you want to. Don't expect any counsel from me. Listen, years ago I learned, someone taught it well, be the pastor to anyone who needs pastoring. And you know what's going to happen? God will add to your church. Because that's a spirit He can bless. If you're a control freak, let me tell you something, people can feel that. It's what happens in the heart of a teenage boy or a teenage girl when they feel like they have to be home on Friday night. And there's some activity. There's some ball game. There's something happening. Oh, I'd really like for you to be here. But Dad, this is an opportunity for me. Oh, I'd really like for you to be here. But Dad, I'm the pitcher on the team. You're, You're forgetting how important this is that I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to do. I mean, you said I could go out for the team. and The church of God, the church of God, the church of God, the church of God.
1: If they leave your church, are they still part of the church? And will they be treated like they're in the church. Free
0: yourself, man. It's too burdensome feeling like you own the people. He owns the people. You're an overseer of the people. If He brought them to you, then they're under your trust. If He takes them from you, they're still under His trust. Be liberated and free. On the first point, make your way with me this time, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for the second point, And draw your attention this time to verse 20. 1 Corinthians 12 and 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and the members of the body which... We think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts, have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. All parts? All parts are His parts. And the only parts that are not His parts are not yet a part of the body. So these parts that are in fact a part of the body, each one unique, each one very different, and each one like a body part?
1: Has your body
0: ever done something a little odd? A little strange? Even a little crazy? And suddenly you realize it's not acting like it's supposed to. Now, I don't know how old you are. But there will be a day, and mark my word well, that you'll get up early in the morning, and as you make your way from one spot to another spot, one of your body parts may act in disobedience to the rest of your body. Now, it may just make a sound that's unfamiliar. (laughs) It may be that there's a crackling noise, a popping noise. It may be that it's just moving more slowly than it normally does. And you say the next day, the craziest thing happened last night to my body. Really? And you share a crazy body story with somebody else who ends up sharing a crazy body story with you about their own journey, their own experience from the bedroom to the bathroom, just like yours.
1: Do you wish that your church was just filled with perfect people? I
0: thought I'd have a church with perfect people. You know, all the people that are really good tithers. Been married for 15 years. Got very obedient children. Work regular jobs. Need no counsel. People who think I'm great. Very faithful serving. I want a church filled with those people. God kind of knocks on my heart. Hey, hey, hey. Let me tell you. My body, it has some crazies in it. (laughs) Hey, my body has some crazy things in it. Your body has some crazy things in it. Oh, in fact, Bob, listen to this. I welcome the crazies into my body. You do? Yes. In fact, I give special honor to the crazies in my body. You do, Yeah, here's why. Because some of those crazies become senior pastors of some of the largest churches in the United States of America. Mike McIntosh is a good example. He gives hope to all mankind. With guys like Mike. It's so funny. Because Mike thought that half of it, if you don't know his testimony, he thought half of his brain had been
1: blown up.
0: Look what God has done with a man with half a brain for how many years? What can He do with you with the whole brain? It's exciting! My goodness! Every once in a while you see Him a little confused you think, that's Mike. It's a little crazy. More honor to Mike. Probably about eight years ago, I was... uh, trying to stay in shape, and I was at our football team's gym on our property. And I was on the bench, and I was, you know, and sometimes I'll try and psych myself up. If you are close to 20, if you say five, you think you've started all over again. I'm right there at 15, 16, one, two, and I'm really pushing myself. Well, I put down the weights and I go, where am I? Seriously, where am I? Whose building is this? There's a phone on the floor. It's got to be my phone. I push wife. Listen, it's called Global Transient Amnesia. Look it up. I lost my mind. I really didn't know anything. So I push wife, but hi, my name's Bob. Seriously, this happened. Immediately, my assistant comes walking to the gym. You okay? Who are you? True story. He says, I'm right. Okay, it's starting to come back, but something's happening to me. I really don't know where I am. I guess I called my wife. Oh, that was your wife. Come on out to your car. I have a car. True story, guys. You're all laughing. This hurts for me to even retell it. They took me to the doctor. They put me in one of these big case MRI things, RIM things. I I didn't know what was going on. you ever been in one of those? And afterwards, he gets the test. He said, hey, the good news is, your mind will come back. How long? He said, about four to six hours. Really? I'll be mindless for four to six hours. (laughs) Once I realized I was going to be okay, was I ever messing with my wife? It was so funny. (laughs) I would say things like, so I'm a pastor of a church, right? Yes, you are. You are. You're a pastor. It's a good church. I love you. I have kids. I have kids. And then I'd wait like ten minutes. So I'm a pastor of a church, right? (laughs) And sometimes it was real and sometimes I was just messing with her, man. Now, listen to this. Stay with me because there's a Bible point. Why do crazies come into the church? Because God wants to make them feel welcome in His body. And, listen to this, when a crazy comes, we get to find out how you treat crazies. You see, you don't need to turn there, but this is Nehemiah chapter 13. Listen to this. I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do this again, I'll lay hands on you. From that time on, they came no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should go and guard the gate and sanctify the Sabbath day. And then this. In those days I also saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab, and half their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one of the other people. So I contended with them, I cursed them, struck some of them, and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives... "...to their sons, nor take their daughters, for your sons or yourselves." That's Nehemiah. Now, if you don't know her, that's it. You're going, come on, you're just making this up. That's the Bible. Nehemiah 13 and 25. Somebody's making them crazy in the church. They're crazy. Look how they're behaving. So, you get crazy, Nehemiah? How many crazy people in this thing called the church of God make you Crazy. And now, you become the same that they are. And the frustration to you is, man, I wish they would behave. And God says, I wish you'd behave. I only brought them there to show you how much there's something missing in you. And you're mad at them. I'm mad at you. You want them to change? I want you to change. Because there is another way. What's that? I read Nehemiah 13 and you go, wow, he actually pulled out their hair? Yeah. You ever felt like that, Pastor? And I just grab somebody and...
1: Read it! Read it! No! Well,
0: maybe not exactly like that, but sometimes we've been that frustrated. Check out, however, Acts 16 and 16 for later reading. Listen, it's that crazy girl that's following the apostles. And what does he do? He gets mad. And he gets bothered. But how does he handle her behavior? Listen to this. 16 and 16. Now it happened, as we were in prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed... Turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. What happened? When there's crazies in the church, they either make you crazy, or they reveal that you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, helping them not be crazy anymore. But how often I've seen somebody crazy, I get crazy, and it only shows me that something's missing within. But if in fact I'd have the Holy Spirit filling me in ways to overflow, I'd simply say to the crazy, hey, time to be crazy no more. <laughs> but if I have no power, you know the area of Scripture. It's Luke chapter 9, there's a kid, he's got a demon. He's flapping around on the ground. Peter, James, and John are at the top of the mountain enjoying sweet fellowship with the Father. And there, the Bible says, at the base of the mountain, trying to cast out the demon. And when they finally come down from Mount Transfiguration, the Father turns to Jesus and says, What's wrong with your disciples? I got trouble with my son and they had no power to handle the crazy. They've been trying to cast him out. Now, I have an imagination like you have an imagination. And I can see the disciples trying to cast out a demon. And there they are. Uh, get out! Nothing happened. You try it. You try it. No, you try it. Wish Jesus was here. Okay. No, that won't work. Okay. Nothing happened. And here's the dad going, this is great. These are his disciples. And here It's his body. There's some special people in his body that need you to be filled with the Spirit of God. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, you can say, come out. And what happens? Something happens that's supernatural. But if it simply reveals your craziness, isn't that an indictment against us? Well, of course it is. Why? Well, because there are times that I just go, oh man, what do you mean? She's been married how many times? And she wants to counsel with me? How many times has she been married? God, knocks in on my heart. Same number of times the woman at the well was married. Oh. So if you're willing to minister to somebody that's been married how many times and is living with somebody I should be willing to? How many times you say, oh, a person, I don't know about spending time with them. They're so religious. They have so many religious thoughts, so many religious ways. They don't understand it's a relationship with God. It's not a religion. Oh, just like Nicodemus, right? The religious guy that Jesus spent time with? So often I'm blown off the very people that He's sending me my way. do so Bob be filled with the Spirit. Use my power and watch and
1: see what happens when I when I call someone out who used to be
0: a crazy. And you have the joy of saying, "Yeah, you know what? There was a time they were a part of our." Here's the third word. It's flock. Go with me to a second first first Peter first Peter five. Most of you know this, but let's take a look at the context. Uh, 1 Peter 5, and in the first verse. The elders who are among you, I exhort you. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. He says this, and here's where I want you to underline it. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. And not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. What does he say? Shepherd the flock of God? The flock of God. Well, the implication is clear. You are tending sheep. They're sheep.
1: And what does that mean? Well, in the church
0: context, you'll have to deal with subtractions. In the body context, you'll have to deal with crazies. And In the flock context, you'll have to deal with They're sheep.
1: Not the brightest in the animal bunch.
0: In fact, listen to this. The dumbest. And I'm not just saying, like, one of the dumbest. I'm saying the dumbest. Very dumb. Istanbul. This is last year. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ravine in Van Providence near Iran, but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who survived. Newspaper reports said yesterday, Shepherds from the Ilskaler village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. And the ratkittle daily said the loss to local farmers was an estimated $74,000. So here, here's what we have happening. We have one sheep grazing. He gets to the edge and he goes, ah, looks like a really good piece of grass right there. Whoa. And there's another sheep that goes, hey, he found good grass over there. Whoa. Now listen. 400 die, But they create a fluffy cushion for the other 1,100 that continue to go off the edge of the cliff. Now you think one of them would pick up on it at some point in time, you know? A thousand sheep left... But, but here's the funny thing. It wasn't that the sheep were so dumb, the shepherds were just as dumb because they're having lunch. It's getting quiet. <laughs> so I looked it up. Listen to this. Sheep wander without thinking. Don't, don't write it down. They wander without thinking. <laughs> You've got people in your church that are involved in some strange things and you go, what were you thinking? I wasn't. I'm just a dumb wandering sheep is what I am. Sheep have limited vision. They can't, literally, they can't see beyond the flock. So if you're far away going, I'm casting vision. I don't see it. I have no idea what you're doing. I can't see that far. Listen to this. They don't digest their food while standing up. You have to make them sit down. If they stand up and they just keep on eating, they get gas and they get big and big and big and big. I won't go any further than that. Listen to this. Sheep will follow bad leaders. It's not like there's a wolf in the crowd. It's just another sheep. And he's bad. And they follow him, and they go, We don't know he's a sheep, he's not a wolf. We're just we don't know that he's bad in the sense that he's got a disease, he's sick, he's got bad feet, he's They don't fight back. In fact I found this fascinating. You know, they're defenseless, they have no defense mechanism. So what does sheep do when a wolf shows up? Like, here comes the wolf. The wolf goes, Mom, I'm looking for something to eat, and they go, Hey, let's huddle together. You make a bigger target that way, don't you? Yeah, we'll stay really tight, all of us, together, so that for sure he can get a meal. They can't swim. I, I started looking at all these sheep issues, and I realized, <laughs> you, ever, you ever have somebody in the church do something really dumb, and you go, "That's really dumb. Yeah, they're sheep. You ever do something really dumb? you are sheep. you are sheep. I'm a sheep. We're all sheep. So here we are, like a real conference for dumb people. <laughs> We're all trying to get smart. <laughs> and that's why it's really cool when he goes, when the chief shepherds arrive, When Jesus shows up, He'll make sense out of it all. (laughs) But until then, there'll be a Samson. There'll be some Sons of Thunder. There'll be a Moses. Did you realize there are no real Bible heroes? Do you realize even the people that you think are heroes messed up in some way that's really kind of embarrassing? Moses, he gets so mad, he he won't speak to the rock, he just strikes it, it keeps him out of the promised land. You think of Samson, the real big warrior guy that just blows it so bad. For 40 years, he's doing really good judging Israel, and at the very end, he kind of just so embarrasses himself. He's like a a suicide, homicide kind of a, I'll kill them while I kill myself, and that's my prayer. And you're going, ah, never thought about it that way. (laughs) Noah got drunk after the ark thing, ends up naked. I never saw a Sunday school picture of drunk Noah. <laughs> Look what I colored, Mom! Noah's naked! No, we all see him on the boat waving from the top with a giraffe sticking his head out. Hi, guys, I'm Noah. In one more chapter, I'll be loaded. <laughs> it's like, you never <laughs> Somebody has an issue with... <laughs>
1: they're,
0: very, they're very happy. Can you, can, can you imagine all those Sunday school color in the line pictures that are based upon scripture instead of just upon what we hope these people were? They weren't. There's only one hero in the Bible, his name is Jesus. Everybody else is a failure. The book is to help all us failures see that there's only one answer in His name and Jesus. But even when I look at really good guys, they're good, but they failed like the rest of us. I'm not any better. Nobody's any better. It's level ground at the cross. And when you realize that, you go, you know what? I'm just caring for people who are going to make some really dumb mistakes. And I've made some mistakes. And stop putting yourself there and putting them there. Don't do the us-them thing. You're one of them. I'm one of us. And... It's his body and it's his church and it's his flock and forth and finally it's his bride. Go with me to John chapter three. Let's take a look at this. And I didn't mean to say it like that. Go with me to John chapter three. I'm like I'm like dense now. <laughs> yeah. Come on, you dumb sheep. Get to John three. Let's wrap this thing up, there's a bonfire happening. I want to roast a marshmallow. John 3 and 26, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he was with you beyond the Jordan. To whom you've testified, behold, is baptizing and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can only receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven, which is a great thought to hang on to when it comes to the size of your flock. Verse 28, you yourselves bear witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. The bride of Christ. What's the implication? Listen, I've been married 26 years now. And I will tell you this, if you're not
1: married, it takes a lot of work.
0: It takes a lot, a lot of work. So it doesn't surprise me that he, in type form, refers to himself as the groom and refers to us as the bride. Why? Because I live in a relationship where I am the groom and I married a bride. And if it takes a lot of work to get along, the implication, of course, is going to take a lot of work to get along. But you can link that to the fact, don't be surprised that somebody who's brand new, in love with Jesus and still on that honeymoon, has got that excitement in their eyes. And they've got that joy in their heart. Of course they do. I did my niece's wedding just recently. She moved into our house, was with us for a little over a year. She fell in love with the guy, and I was overjoyed because he was such a worshiper. And when I walked into the back room just before the wedding, Alyssa, how you doing? And she, oh, I'm so excited. I can't believe this. He's the man of my dreams. I just can't believe, it. I just can't believe it. And you know what I'm thinking? I give you one week, kid. Why? Reality's going to hit a very, very sour chord, And when it does, wait, wait a minute. I saw somebody come forward at church. And I gave the invitation and there they were, just like Alyssa. I'm oh, so happy he's going to forgive my sins and it's going to be a great life and I can't wait to be the bride of Jesus forever and ever and wait a week. What's going to happen? Your friends are going to turn their back on you. They're going to completely misunderstand this decision you made. And yeah, you're going to get a whole lot of prayers answered, but there's a cost to being a disciple and that cost will require a lot of prayer and a lot of seeking and a lot of knowing. And I'm a I'm a bride and you're a bride and He's the groom and there's some times where He and I are at odds with one another and I'm trying to work something out and He's trying to work something in and I'm not being so submissive as I should be. And I understand that because I'm married and there's times I'm not a very good leader. He's a great leader, but I'm not being submissive. But I want my wife to submit. And God knocks on my heart and says, well, why don't you submit to Me? No!
1: I don't like roller coasters. Because I don't know where it will go. Like, sch- sch- sch, and there's that excitement.
0: But then when it comes down and it rips you to this side, rips you to this side, if it would just be like, <music> uh, lazy river, A roller coaster is designed to just twist you in and twist
1: you out. My life with God has been a little bit more like a roller coaster ride. There's been some high heights, and there's been some very surprising turns. And there's been some,
0: I don't know if I want to stay in this relationship. Bob, I don't think you can say this. You're a pastor. Don't, 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 don't do that now. Now I'm gonna do that now. Why? Because there needs to be that raw honesty from me so that you can see it's okay to say there have been times I've wondered. You know, every once in a while where you go, you know, I, not, not so much my Christian faith, but the ministry itself. Well, if I'm working through my issues with him, then there's somebody in the church working through their issues with him. And if you're somebody who understands the relationship between a bride and a groom, then you also all the more so understanding the relationship between a bride and a groom. Because I have learned not to expect perfection from my wife. She didn't expect perfection from me. And that's where the illustration stops. Because I can't expect perfection from him. It's just that he doesn't expect perfection from me. He still calls me to it. But it's not something I can easily deliver. Now here's what will happen if you really get the study. If you really get the study, you're going to go, you know what? I'm pastoring or I'm caring for a church. There will be subtractions and I'm actually somebody who's supposed to help people get to the goal and sometimes... My freedom to encourage somebody to find their place is going to liberate my own burden from thinking I own them. When it comes to them being the body, I have to acknowledge every once in a while be the craziest thing in the world, the way they behave. But because my body also too, sometimes
1: very crazy, I will accept them and see
0: them still very much as a part of the body. The flock, yeah, every once in a while somebody's going to do something really, really dumb. In fact, I've discovered that one of the dumbest things people can do is sin. And sin so seriously that the very person I counted on, that person has become my own personal Judas. I can't believe they've betrayed what was a confidence and an opportunity and a privilege to be a part of that inner circle. But I, I, I know that that's being a sheep that's led astray. And when it comes to a bride, I realize it's going to take a lot of work, but if I'm willing to work this thing out, and He's willing to work this thing out, well, then I'll try and be the best that I can be. And what happens? Well, stay with me, and here's where we close. With every one of these expressions of who it is that you care for, God has given you a chance. Personally, He's given you a chance
1: to become more of all of these things that He's called you to be. I'm of the opinion and some of my greatest growth has come through some of my greatest pain. And you would have no idea except that you're able to compare your pain to some of my pain and say, I think I get it great opportunity, great responsibility, and yes. The chance for you even this week to get away from that routine and say, "God, maybe I have been expecting too much out of so and so. Maybe
0: I didn't forgive them as quickly. Maybe maybe they're just a lot like me and it has nothing to do with them, it has to do with something
1: you're trying to tell me, about me, and I just didn't think it was about me this time. I thought for sure it was it was them. Someday, we're going to hear
0: the sound of an archangel and the sound of a trumpet, and we're going to all get together, and I said it in the body of the message, but I'll conclude with the thought that we'll be with him. And I really want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful
1: servant. But I think the only way that I anticipate that, is realizing that this thing called the ministry, uh, it really is a ministry. It's a ministry to me and
0: then through me. And I can't miss the to me because that's what this time is all about. Father, we thank you so much for the chance for you to minister to us. We pray that with worship and conversation, we're ministering to you. and We ask God that when we return to the flock, the church, the body, the bride, that we will see with fresh eyes
1: our calling. May we be found faithful in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, you heard the announcements. I am given the charge to dismiss you. So go forth and burn a marshmallow in Jesus' name. Amen. Very good.